Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste, or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products, because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to Open Floor. I'm John Gonzalez, filling in for Rohan, who was filling in for Mike Pina. But I'm joined by SI senior writer and Spike Lee's favorite author, Chris Herring's here. What's up, Chris? Not much, John. It's good to be with you. Always good to see you, my friend. We have a lot to get into. I feel like the NBA was dark until this week, and then the lights went on, and there was just so much to discuss. Later in the show, Ben Simmons speaks. He went on J.J. Reddick's podcast, Old Man in the Three, and he had a lot to say, which is... Uh, I'll say not typical of Ben Simmons. He's not the biggest talker, so we'll talk about that. Anthony Edwards got fined for being intolerant. Robert Sarver is looking for buyers for the Suns and the Mercury after being suspended for a year and fined $10 million for egregious workplace misconduct. We'll get into that as well. But first, I didn't think it was possible, Chris, for anyone to or anything to knock Sarver off the top of the news items this week. But late Thursday night, the Boston Celtics issued a statement that head coach but late Thursday night, the Boston Celtics issued a statement that head coach Ime Udoka will be suspended for the season for violations of team policy. After a months-long investigation, Udoka also issued a statement saying he wants to apologize to his uh, players, fans, the entire Celtics organization, and his family for letting them down, said he was sorry for putting the team through a difficult situation, and he, and he accepts the team's decision. This was all first reported, Chris, by Woj, Adrian Wojnarowski of ESPN, that this was coming. Uh, according to Woj, the violation of team policy involved Udoka's role in a consensual relationship with a female staff member. Now, there's some pushback here, various reporting. Shams Charney of The Athletic had different details. He said some members of the Celtics organization first became aware of the relationship in July. At the time, leadership was led to believe that both parties uh, by both parties that it was consensual, but Shams reported that the woman recently accused Udoka of making unwanted comments towards her, leading the team to launch a set of internal interviews. A lot to unpack here. A lot we don't know, Chris. Your thoughts on what we know so far? 
Yeah. I mean, I would just reiterate what you said that I've, <laughs> it doesn't cost anything to be quiet about mm-hmm. things until you feel like there's firm enough reporting and, and kind of not just firm enough, but also kind of that one side has kind of said, this is accurate. This is the way it happened. This is why it happened the way it happened. Uh, the Celtics just had a press conference a couple hours ago that really didn't shed a whole lot of light on much. And yeah. uh, so it's, it's, it's murky. It's, um, it's unfortunate. It's, you know, I, Stephen A. Smith has obviously been the loudest voice on this. He, he had reactions right after the press conference was over. And it, it sounds like it potentially could have been fireable. Uh, just anytime you look at something where someone's getting suspended for a year, particularly not just that it's for a year, but also that the Celtics are saying that they kind of reserve the right to re-examine the issue a year from now. Yeah. Uh, it's uncomfortable just from the standpoint of like, are you know, like are there conditions he needs to meet? Uh, I really, really hope that it was at least consensual because it turns into something different. If, for instance, if Shams's version of the events is accurate, if it's sexual harassment on top of the fact that he was also having a, what at one point could have been consensual, it's a really complicated story. So I, I, I prefer not to wade too much into that, but it's messy. And, you know, the reporting of it hasn't been necessarily consistent among some of the biggest news breakers in the game. Um, but I will, you know, take a shot and I'm not the first one to do this to kind of also criticize a lot of the fans for the way that they've handled this granted, you know, it has not been like a steady stream of information about this. I don't necessarily know that it's all of our business to know all the ins and outs of it, but for people to kind of like go and, and jokingly kind of point the finger at certain women that he might've had a relationship with, it's, it's so irresponsible. Yeah. And it's also sad just to think about it from the standpoint of the fact that there are so few women that work for these teams that people feel like they could actually find out who it is that way. I will also go one step further and say that, uh, you know, I thought one of the best questions of the press conference that was asked today was about the person that will now step in for Ime Udoka, who has domestic violence in his own past. Um, And somebody asked a question about like, you know, you have two men standing up there in the press conference taking questions. And Brad Stevens is saying basically that he's gotten to know Joe Mazzula and he you know, he trusts him and that he, if anybody's going to be hard on himself about that situation, it's going to be him. Um, I've said this before to Michael, maybe it was Rohan, but I, I really do think there's something that needs to be considered going forward in the NBA. Like teams are going to be weird about some of this stuff because how accountable can you hold someone for something that they did before they were in a certain position? Um, I think that that was a relevant question with someone like Chauncey Billups it was a a valid question for someone like Jason Kidd. And now you have the person stepping in to replace someone that we don't even know. It could be, it could start to bleed into sexual harassment, even something that started consensually. uh, But you're replacing that person with someone that has domestic violence in their history while you're also up there almost tearing up Brad Stevens about the idea of how difficult this has been to put the women, women in your organization through this. It is really, really complicated and really messy. It's really unfortunate and I don't even necessarily know that when you look at that part of it, that it's being handled perfectly. I, I know the Celtics denied the leaks, uh, which I think they have to do. I really hope that they didn't leak it. But who else would have had this information to have leaked out this stuff 
to the media a couple days ago before the, the Celtics went public with their statement. So it, it it is one of the messiest stories I can remember, and, and particularly coming at a time where the league has already kind of had a little bit of a black eye with the way they handled this Sarver thing. Yeah, it is. I think messy is the the right way to describe it. And and you mentioned assistant Joe Missoula, who will be the interim coach. He's 34. And we'll get into him and the basketball component of it, which is obviously less important than everything else that is happening here. But you mentioned sort of Stephen A and other people and how they responded to it in the immediate aftermath without knowing a lot about this. Stephen A went on ESPN and wondered uh, aloud why it's out there now. He said plenty of white folks doing their thing. and He doesn't see information out there about them. And he said, it's none of our damn business unless you fire him. I mean, I guess, except for it's kind of hard. Like if they were going to suspend him, it would be awfully hard to hide this. Media day is coming up. People were going to go, hey, where's Emiya Doka? You can't just go, uh, he's not around, right? So this was going to get out there uh, in some way, shape, or form. But there is so much that we don't know yet. And people have been wondering, including Stephen A., a couple of things. Why is this out there and why the Celtics wouldn't keep it quiet? And then if it's a consensual relationship and affair, why a year suspension? My guess, and it's only a guess, is that it's you know a staff member lower down on the org chart who maybe reported it to him in some way or that the power dynamics were super problematic for the organization. And I think on that point, people have been pointing out, well, the punishment for Robert Sarver and Udoka were the same length. And we should note, you know, the NBA has its guidelines and the Celtics organization is independent of that and they have their own. And you can make of that whatever you will. And you could think that it's uh, unfair that, you know, Sarver should have gotten uh, a greater punishment. We're going to get into Sarver. And I, and I would agree with you. I've made that point on this podcast multiple times. But I want to bring up a point that SI editor and Celtics fan Jason Schwartz uh, made on Twitter, a very smart point, somehow managed to do nuance on Twitter. It's never been done before. Here's what he here's what he wrote. On one hand, it's frustrating the Celtics aren't sharing more information. On the other, taking these situations seriously, hiring outside firms to investigate, and then doling out punishment if the findings warrant it is exactly what we've all been asking teams to do. I think he's right, Chris. Yeah. I mean, I you know, look, the 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 leak aspect of it at the very end of all this was pretty unfortunate for all the reasons that we were laying out before about the women that kind of get caught in the crossfire. That said, I, I've, I've been asking myself that question of the very minute that Ime Udoka was, you know, put under investigation for this, being investigated for this, should we have known about it? And then the same thing would have happened then, where if it was made known that that's what he was being investigated for months ago or whenever this first started, everybody would have started a relative Twitter witch hunt anyway. Um, so I actually think the way that it was handled where we didn't really know anything about it until a couple nights ago was good. I, I think that maybe it broke down towards the very end. I do wish that the Celtics could have been a little bit more forthcoming about some things in the press conference. Um, but I will also say that, um, I could imagine that there are legal reasons they can't do that. Now I will say this that you alluded to, and I, I heard Malika Andrews discussing, um, on first take, which was kind of an interesting dynamic to see Stephen A. and Malika mm-hmm. kind of going back and forth. I've, I've never seen that before. I don't ever remember that happening with Rachel Nichols or anybody in the past, but it was very interesting. Um, Malika was 100% right in one sense that we it's not for us to know. It's certainly not for the Celtics to kind of out who this employee was for exactly mm-hmm. the reason you laid out. Ime Udoka is unique in the sense, and Brad Stevens would be too, in the sense that they, in some ways, run this organization. Um, if there's something going on with the power dynamic there, it's not okay for all sorts of reasons. Even if it starts consensually, at some point, it might not be. At some right. point, uh, the person might want to get promoted. And then if they do get promoted, 
uh, it will be a question of whether that happened because Ime Udoka is in the lead seat. So he is going to get punished for this differently than the woman would, who you could make the argument should not be or will not be punished at all. And that's essentially what the Celtics said. It's different from that standpoint in the same way that, you know, as much as I didn't love it, the same way that a week ago, Adam Silver said that it's kind of different for Robert Sarver being the owner of a team where it's kind of hard for the team to hold him accountable for it when he owns the team. And, you know, although Adam Silver would not say it out loud, and I thought his statement when Sarver announced he was going to sell spoke volumes when it was a two-sentence statement from Adam Silver because while he kind of has the right to force a sale, it would be litigated until the end of time. And so he really wasn't going to be the one to force him to step aside. Now, thank goodness that LeBron and Draymond and Chris Paul spoke up and that uh, sponsors spoke up, but power dynamics are such that uh, sometimes the way you want to see things litigated, it it doesn't really, or adjudicated is not really going to be the way you want to see it. And I think we're finding that as much credit as a lot of us have wanted to give the NBA and patting them on the back for how forcefully they deal with racism and sexism, we've now seen several instances where they're just not going to handle it the way we would like to see it from a moral standpoint. Um, And, you know, this one, the power dynamics are off. And I think Ime Udoka, the the frustration I would have if I'm a Celtics fan or a fan of Ime Udoka's is the idea that don't leave him twisting in the wind. Let us know that he'll be back after this year. Uh, Maybe let us a little bit more inside the tent with maybe some detail. Did he sexually harass the woman or not? But beyond that, um, I, you know, I, I think that this is probably the way they should handle it. And then at that point, it's up to Ime Udoka whether he wants to wait that out or whether he wants to go on with this career and try to go somewhere else and essentially announce himself as a free agent, which would be difficult to do, by the way, when yeah. you just got done being investigated for something that we don't necessarily know the ins and outs of. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment... Oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. The wait is over. The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com/theshy to get a fifty percent discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July fourteenth. Subscription auto renews. Restrictions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. 
real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. To your point about, you know, whether or not the Celtics should signal if Udoka will be back, I'm just reading the tea leaves here. It feels like they're, you know, in terms of litigation and, and taking uh, certain steps and, and lining everything up, it feels like, especially in their statement, that they're sort of lining it up to go the other way. Uh, because the team's decision and announcement came after a clo- this is all according to Shams after a closed door meeting Thursday that involved team owners and President Brad Stevens and lasted several hours. And then earlier the same day, Stevens in the front office met with players at the team facility. And the line that really jumped out at me in the Celtics statement was quote, a decision about his future with the Celtics beyond this season will be made at a later date. It feels like they're setting this up as suspension first, uh, soft push out later. I mean, again, just reading between the tea leaves, it doesn't feel like they're setting him up to come back. Might, that might be the case. And, you know, I, from that standpoint, I'm not going to reference him too many more times. But again, I, I think that was the one point that Stephen A. Smith made that might have been fair is that if you're going to let him go, then let him go. Um, you know, it, it, it serves as a distraction. Um, it, you know, it, it gives players the potentially false hope that he's going to come back. And it also leaves Ime Udoka in a spot, which granted, I don't know that he deserves sympathy here, but I do think that there's something to be said for the fact that this could be fireable here. Um, but that he, you know, like, I don't think you want to torpedo the guy's career if it's, a violation of the Celtics rules, or if it was something that started as maybe not the rosiest sort of picture where it was an, you know, a consensual relationship where people are maybe not being faithful to folks they're with, but that's not against the law. It's not necessarily against the bylines for that to happen of an organization. If it started to step outside of those rules, or if he started to make unwelcome comments, that's different. But I, I don't know, like I've struggled with that. And I think Woj has actually said that a couple times too, there've been people at our own mag that I've asked about some of the details with this, where we kind of all have different levels of sourcing where I'm like, is this something where like, he's going to be blacklisted and like out of the league forever. And everybody keeps that I keep talking to says no to that question. So if that's the case, you don't want to dismember him to where he, like he can't work anymore. And it, it is strange from that standpoint. I will say this and, and you know, I'll reference him one more time here. Uh, Stephen A has kind of made this out to be like, would this happen with the white person? Like, we, we just saw Gerson Rosas lose his job. Was yep. it last season? Um, I went to the University of Michigan where the university president just got ousted over something along these lines. So it, it, it happens a decent amount. And again, that's why I was saying it very well could be fireable. But if it's fireable, and that's essentially the conclusion that Celtics are drawing by leaving the door open to figure out what they want to do a year from now, let him go now is kind of what I would say. Uh, just so that I, I feel like you make it more of a story by continuing to leave that door open when you could put it into it. You could kind of start to sweep the drama away a little bit. Yeah, it's going to be tough to sweep the drama away, I think, because there's so because there's so much unknown and there is so much speculation. And you have people who have immediately jumped out to the front of this and then all of a sudden decided to maybe fall back a little bit. Matt Barnes is one of those right before you and I started recording. (laughs) He tweeted out uh, or put out an Instagram video saying that the situation is deep. It's messy. It's a hundred times uglier than any of us thought. He had previously put up a post defending Udoka and then 
retracted all of it, said he had made a call and started talking to people and then, you know, decided he wasn't going to defend what Adoka has allegedly done, which we don't even know what that is. Uh, I want to go back to Joe Missoula, though, 34 years old, as you mentioned, domestic violence in his past. He takes over. It doesn't exactly absolve the Celtics of any of this controversy and drama, right? Because now you've got Joe Missoula, who's 34 years old. So that that brings, with no real experience at this level uh, as a head coach, obviously. So you've got that component. Then you've got the domestic violence history component. It doesn't feel like this is going to be a smooth sailing season for the Celtics. Which, like you said, the basketball is should be, Not and, and rightfully so, should be secondary to all this. Uh, but also you've got a championship caliber team that yeah. is sitting there. Um, I thought it was very interesting how dismissive Brad Stevens was from the get-go about taking this team over himself, uh, a team that he coached right before Ime Udoka stepped in. And, uh, you know, again, like I, I thought that actually Brad Stevens sounded pretty sincere about all this. He did look like he was moved to the point of tears just talking about the women in the organization. But I did kind of feel like that was... You know, do I think people deserve second chances in life? Yes. Do I feel like uh, the idea of Brad Stevens saying, I've talked to him and we've talked about this and I've seen him and I've worked closely with him. I've gotten to know him. And with Grouspick saying, uh, I've, you know, I, I, I sent him to go talk with members of the military, whatever he did with the Air Force or whatever he said. And his press conference like, that's all well and good. But Brad Stevens is also the one that hired Ime Udoka, who mm -hmm. had something happen. Granted, seemingly totally different. That's not necessarily domestic abuse, but uh, yeah, I'm sure if you talk to a lot of women around the league or just women, period, they would say that that would not, someone with that in their past would not be their first pick to take over this job. So even if that had been the main reason that Brad Stevens took over for a year or whatever else, part of me would have liked to have seen that uh, just to not throw yourself into one more thing. You can't possibly know what someone does in the dark. And, you know, the fact that someone did that and that it was reported and that he was charged with it. Uh, granted, it was a while ago, but it was still something that happened. Like I said, I that personally would not have been my first choice. I don't know anything about his track record as a coach, um, but it, 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 it did rub me a certain way watching two men at a press conference um, kind of say how essentially, essentially they're saying this is unacceptable and that they're going to suspend someone and maybe even let someone go over this, but at the same time, you're bringing in someone to replace him that doesn't have the greatest track record either because he has one period. So it, it's difficult. And it's, uh, it again, it, it's just not a great week for the NBA. And, uh, we make jokes and I've made jokes before about, you know, thank goodness the NBA is the NBA because I've stopped, you know, I've literally stopped watching the NFL because of the way they handled the Kaepernick stuff because of, um, you know, the, the, the violence that we've seen and, 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 different things as it relates to women and the, the, the weak penalties that come out of those things. Again, the NBA has had maybe not a great week, uh, great week and a half when we're just looking at a lot of this stuff. Uh, and we'll, we'll have to see where it goes from there, but it's, it's really unfortunate. Yeah. Not a great week is a, a good way to describe it. Uh, we'll continue to monitor the Celtic situation, but I, I anticipated when you and I, uh, you know, we were told we were going to do the show today that it would be Robert Sarver off the top, uh, because there's this news that he has 
finally decided that he's going to sell. That didn't look like it was going to be the case a week ago at this time when I was talking to Rohan on this very podcast, but Robert Sarver, after a month's long independent review, 320 people had been talked to, more than 80,000 documents had been reviewed. It went back almost two decades, Chris, suspended for one year and a $10 million fine, which I railed about being insufficient, as did a lot of people. Adam Silver said he hadn't spoken with Sarver about selling at that press conference, which I thought was really interesting. Also interesting, according to Woj, Sarver was unaccepting of the idea that he deserved a one-year suspension and a $10 million fine, and that the punitive part of the process became largely acrimonious. So it sounded like a week ago that we were gearing up for an indefinite fight. And now all of a sudden, boom, he says he's looking for buyers. I thought we'd get to this spot, Chris. I didn't think we'd get to this spot this quickly. I thought that they were going to have to lean on him a little longer. Yeah, I think what the last week has shown us is and I've had this thought for a long time, uh, going back to a lot of different things. We remember what the the Bucks did in the bubble at, in the wake of the, the Jacob Blake case, uh, where he is is shot, and is you know the way that they responded to that. Between that, a number of other things, players wanting to uh, kneel or wanting to wear shirts and and sh- shooting shirts and stuff like that. Yeah. That the league kind of very gently tells them, like, don't do that because we've got sponsors that are going to be upset if you wear stuff over the, you know, their their branding. For a while now, I've kind of felt like the league gets the gets to be touted as the most progressive major sport. Yep. But the leadership of the league is not yep. the one out front with that. It's the players. It's mm-hmm. largely black men that are doing that. And I don't think that it's fair that they get the credit for that. It very much kind of feels like what, what is that, that, uh, that story with the hen and, you know, baking all the stuff and then everybody wants to come in at the end and eat it. Yep. Like it's not, it's not completely fair. And, and the Sarver thing is a very good example of that, where based on what silver did, that was not going to get, uh, Sarver out of the league. Uh, maybe the sponsors would have eventually done it. Maybe it was a combination of the sponsors and the, the loud enough voices from Draymond and, and LeBron and, and Chris Paul, but it shouldn't have taken them. Uh, you know, I, I think the league is being practical from the standpoint of being worried about a lawsuit, but um, there is an aspect of this where it's like figure some of that stuff out on the back end. But I, I do think Adam Silver works for the owners essentially. And I'm sure the other owners were not trying to see a legal fight because they didn't want their own stuff to come out. So it's the league and the fact that we know that their owners that would have that stuff come out, yeah. I think speaks to the fact that the league is not what it purports itself to be, uh, which is unfortunate. That's such an important point, though. And it's so right that the hypocrisy or the lie rooted in the league, uh, like positioning itself as the most progressive sport, uh, at least in America, when that's the players. We know that it's not the owners. I mean, in my previous employer, I wrote a, a piece about uh, I went through five years of FEC filings, and this is right around the right around the protests of 2020. I remember, and yeah. and the league has you know Black Lives Matter on the court, and it's doing all these things, and it's issuing statements. Right, um, the Orlando Magic were one of them. Right, uh, the DeVos family saying, "Oh, Black Lives Matter and George Floyd and et cetera, et cetera," and then they're going back and and handing you know millions of dollars to uh, politicians who are putting forth policies that are in direct opposition to the things that they are purporting to support. 
uh, one of them, the George Floyd Justice and Policing Act, right? So uh, they're saying one thing and doing something completely different. But there has been a pressure campaign here. Once again, as you mentioned, led by the players, LeBron spoke out, Chris Paul spoke out. He does end up selling. But I I wonder, and some people have wondered, what kind of quote-unquote punishment this actually is for Sarver, because Howard Beck, our colleague, wrote a really smart piece about this. I recommend checking it out on SA.com, where he said, this isn't justice. He's leaving voluntarily. And Howard and others have made a really good point that he stands to make a crazy amount of money, Chris, off of this sale. Uh, Forbes pegged the Sun's valuation before all this at $1.8 billion. Almost everybody expects the Suns to be an extremely attractive option for somebody who can afford this or some, several someones and to go for north of $2 billion, much of which is going to go in Sarver's pocket. So when we're talking about Robert Sarver's indiscretions, this isn't a huge punishment for him. He's just going to go somewhere else with his money. Yeah. I mean, I don't think the NBA has a way of rectifying that from yeah. the standpoint of, Anytime someone is forced to sell, particularly anyone that's owned the team for as long as he has, uh, the NBA has become more valuable by multiples, you know, uh, over the last 10, 15 years. I couldn't still remember a time where, you know, when I first started covering the league, that teams were worth like 400, 500, 600 yeah. million. And now we're talking about billions. Um, so no matter how this went, like even if from the beginning, if the league had um, forced him out, which they didn't do. Uh, he was still going to stand to make a lot of money. It's actually funny now, like my question would be kind of in the weeds, but it would be like, so now that he's selling and he's probably not going to want to be around the team anyway, uh, does he still have to pay the $10 million fine? Because I I bet that's his question because he's always had the reputation of being like a cheap, you know, a relatively cheap NBA owner. He was already complaining about the nature of the fine and the suspension. So I I wonder if he's like, oh, well, now I'm selling. So now maybe I can get out of that. Like, I I wonder how it works uh, and like who he's responsible to if he doesn't, because if he's selling anyway, like he's not going to have to deal with their rules anymore. So it's a mess. The one part that I will say, I can't remember whose story I read it in, that Sarver owns not a majority of the team, but there's something in the bylaws for the Suns that say that if he chooses to sell, he can still sell the whole team. So obviously he wouldn't profit off of all of it, but everybody else would be forced. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. And, um, you know, it's, but again, I don't know, you know, and and, and to Howard's point, Donald Sterling wasn't completely, completely forced to sell either. It was a situation where I think Donald Sterling's wife was able to kind of get him deemed not all the way there or not, you know, like not having the mental capacity to really be able to deal with all this stuff and handle all of it. So because of that, uh, you know, she was able to take control and she decided to sell. So the league, you know, I'm curious to see the next time this comes up. I, one of my concerns and one of the things I'll be interested in is to see whether the league always kind of stops short of taking the most, authoritative step and instead kind of leans on its most progressive players and its faces to kind of force the, the, the possibility of selling it um, always does the way that that just happened. And it, I don't think that's fair. It's not you know? fair. I, and this is a conversation I've had on this podcast and other podcasts. It's a league with predominantly white ownership. And when there are issues with predominantly white ownership, they turn to their predominantly black players to fix it. And it's completely unfair. Uh, but I will say, however we got here, you know, good riddance to Robert Sarver. He should go sooner than later, and 
you know, I can't wait to see him walk out the door. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The wait is over. The Shy is back on Paramount Plus, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the South Side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash shot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime annual plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. One more thing on the NBA behaving badly beat here, because we've had an an owner and a coach and now a player. Anthony Edwards, Minnesota Timberwolves star, was fined $40,000 this week. He made an anti-gay comments, Chris, about a group of people standing on a street and then posted it on Instagram. Then he deleted the video. It was intolerant. It was indefensible. It was dumb. It was gross. There's nothing good here. He issued a statement. I'll read it. Quote, what I said was immature, hurtful, and disrespectful, and I'm incredibly sorry. It's unacceptable for me to anyone to use that language in such a hurtful way. There's no excuse for it at all. I was raised better than that. Okay, I guess, but you shouldn't have done it. And like, I'm going to guess if you're like willing to be that casual about it and then post it, probably not the first time you've used that kind of language. I question whether 40K is like a good enough penalty. There's no suspension here. I don't know. Uh, Not a great look for Anthony Edwards or the NBA yet again. No, it wasn't. And, you know, I, the, the league, it's funny. Howard Beck wrote a story about uh, finding players for, you know, language that the league feels is unbecoming, uh, you know, F-bombs, yeah. uh, what have you. Uh, this was a different sort of slur. This was a slur, um, you know, and um, the way he was talking about a group of people, which is really, really unfortunate. Um, yes, he's young. He's 21. That's not really a, an excuse, a valid excuse here. Um, and again, I, I think what you pointed out is accurate. The idea that not just was he saying it, but that he felt it funny enough to post um, was a little bit sad too. And uh, so I don't know. I, I think the league, I, I think they've got escalators as far as like first time offense, as far as what you say and how to deal with it. 
the the best I can hope for someone like Anthony Edwards. Um, and granted, this was a little bit different. This was a longer time ago when attitudes in this country were a little bit different toward it. But I'll lean on him just because he was inducted in the Hall of Fame recently. Tim Hardaway um, made some pretty nasty, ugly, disgusting comments about uh, gay people, in particular, how he would react and feel about having a gay teammate. Um, and, you know, shout out to, I believe, Dan Lebitard, who was interviewing him at the time. He was like, you do know that's homophobic, like to a T, what you're saying. And I think Tim tried to backpedal a little bit, but, you know, it, it was ugly. And I, I actually believe pretty firmly that it, it held Tim Hardaway out of the Hall of Fame for quite a while until just recently. But from what I understand, Tim Hardaway has been, you know, an ambassador for that community ever since he tried to make amends for it and saying, like, I will do the work. And that's really the best you can hope for, particularly with mm -hmm. someone this young, where you would like to think that you can not only change his attitude toward a lot of this stuff and educate him, but also like I, you know, I'm thinking about a friend of mine who covers the team who is a part of the LGBT community. Sure. Um, like it, it just, I can't imagine how conflicted that would make me if someone made an anti-black comment. Um, how, how disheartening that is to want to root for someone or want to, you know, be excited. We've talked for months, years since Anthony Edwards has been in the league about how much fun he is and how unrestrained he is in terms of what he says and says whatever he's thinking. We saw the negative side of that. And I, all I can hope now is that maybe it was good that he, for whatever reason, decided to post that so that maybe his attitudes can change by kind of being browbeaten into realizing that these are people. And uh, yeah. That's really the best I can say about it. Yeah, I hope I hope that it changes his attitude and his behavior as well. And in the same way that LeBron said about Robert Sarver that his comments uh, with respect to black people and women, there's no place for them in this league. Similarly, no place for uh, anti-gay comments in the NBA. And, and hopefully he gets that now. Uh, all right, last thing for you that isn't the NBA behaving badly. It's Ben Simmons <laughs> speaking up, which Chris, I've interviewed, I've been part of interviews with Ben Simmons Dozens of times, he is not a talker. This shocked me. He is a, like a very keep it close to the vest. All this stuff has been swirling around him for over a year, and everybody was waiting for him to say something. And I expected that he would give yet another, you know, dry media week press conference type of deal. Instead, he opts to go on Old Man in the Three, JJ Reddick's pod. And there's so much to unpack from his appearance. We'll go through them. Uh, he said he's feeling better. He's excited to play with KD and Kyrie. He had uh, back issues. He shot down the report by Rick Buecher that he left a group chat before game four, which I found amusing. <laughs> he said that he texted Patty Mills like, yo, did I leave a group chat? And Patty was like, what? Uh, he discussed his weakness <laughs> shooting the three and his criticism that he gets for that. I thought that was good. He also addressed the infamous moment, Chris, where he passed up on a dunk in game seven against the Hawks in the semis two years ago while with the Sixers instead passing to Matisse Thibel. And that's when everything really blew up for him and went south. And he, admit, he admitted he should have just flushed it. JJ said the same thing. It was like, man, this looks real bad for you. And he goes, I know it looks bad in retrospect. He's yeah. not usually that candid, Chris. Like, I thought that kind of can't, if he had just said that when he was in Philly, I should have thrown that down. I messed up. I think yeah. that would have been the end of it. So why do you think he's speaking up and speaking out now? I don't know. I, I I immediately think about a story that your own Weitzman wrote about Ben and how um, 
how defensive he can get, even mm-hmm. when he was being interviewed by Yaron about some of the same stuff you just brought up, the idea of why he wouldn't take more threes, even back to when Brett Brown was essentially begging him to shoot threes. And there are times, you know, in that arena where the fans, when Ben would kind of just step up and, the, you know, the defense plays back, uh, you know, the defense would be daring him to shoot threes and the crowd would kind of have that low hum and buzz that is kind of like suggestive of, please take this three, like we're behind you no matter yeah. what. And he still wouldn't do it. Um, So he's been defensive and it seems like he, you know, the best thing I can really say about some of it is that it it kind of felt like he was defensive and guarded and that his seemingly like his management team was kind of suggesting that he be that way. Or maybe Ben is just naturally that way. I don't know. But somebody, I, I, I would think that maybe somebody got in his ear and just said like, just have an interview with somebody you trust. And, and I could imagine that JJ would be a perfect sort of person mm-hmm. for that. A former teammate, someone who we've watched enough of his interviews. Like he's, he's an athlete, so he's athlete friendly. Um, and, you know, I, I think even in that interview kind of was helping give Ben maybe not outs, but just kind of like a soft landing for like, look, I've watched it and like, it looks bad, but like walk me through what you're thinking. They might've talked over some of it beforehand. Who knows? But it was a pretty soft landing of an interview. But he just seemed so relaxed. It was really good to see. Yeah. Um, as someone that would love to see the guy play basketball again and has wondered, like, what will his state of mind be when he gets back out there? Um, you know, obviously the way stuff ended in Philly, but also he just went a whole year without playing in Brooklyn, which was a team that had expectations and probably, you know, had fanciful thoughts of making it to the semis, the conference finals, whatever if they had a healthy Ben Simmons playing along with Kyrie and KD. So, you know, two fan bases kind of have a reason to not be in love with the guy right now. Um, But I feel like that interview was extremely positive. He was laughing, smiling about a lot of it. He was actually pretty complimentary in some ways of the Philly fan base as well, I felt like, as far as not holding necessarily the the sort of hard feelings that I would have expected. Uh, So I'm, you know, I'm happy that he seems to have maybe to some extent turned a page because I like, I don't know how to put it. It's not me being frustrated about it, but he just kind of sounded like when I've interviewed him in the past, he's just been so dry and and almost to the point of like being sour uh, where it's just like, why are you asking me these questions? And I, I wasn't asking him about anything really deep, you know, but it just kind of felt like he didn't want to be bothered. And this was kind of like him opening up a little bit. And I'm always happy to see that. I hope that he's comfortable with that. And I would hope that maybe there's more of it to come and that he's got a big season in front of him. I would hope for that. I mean, when you talk about, you know, how he is generally, the Ben Simmons that we saw with J.J. Redick was, to me, unrecognizable. Like, he was comfortable. (laughs) He was loose. He was opening up. And maybe part of that is because, as you mentioned, J.J. is sort of a soft landing spot for him. And, you know, there was a bunch of people I saw, especially in Philly, who were giving J.J. Redick heat for not, like, really pressing Ben Simmons and following up. And I'm like, that's not who J.J. is, number one. He's not (laughs) a reporter. He's not a journalist. He is part of the media now. But he is also a former athlete who played with this guy. So if you were expecting, like you know, meet the press, uh, you know, Woodward and Bernstein hold their feet to the fire thing. That was never going to be this. I thought that was absurd. However, I give JJ full marks and Ben full marks for asking the questions about, again, the dunk and then specifically his mental health, which I thought was the big takeaway, right? Uh, His mental health, specifically around the time when he hadn't reported to the team, they were starting to find him. 
and they wanted him to show up and he get, ends up getting kicked out of practice. And he talked about that. And I want to play this clip here from the old, old Man in the Three podcast where Ben Simmons talks about exactly what, what went down with him and Doc Rivers. Why did you come back for two days of practice? Because um, I was trying to do the right thing. I was trying to, trying to do the right thing. And I just was not in that place to play. Like, I wasn't. Like, I just couldn't do it. Um, and I, you know, getting kicked out of that, that practice that day, I actually spoke to Doc before practice. I was like, Doc, I'm not ready. And mentally, I'm not ready. Please just understand that. You know, I tried to let him know prior. And he was like, well, I'm going to put you in anyway. I'm like, all right. Told me to get in. I was like, I looked at him. Like, it was like two, it was like one minute into practice. Like, man, get in. I'm like, first of all, no one's, no one's doing that. You're doing this on purpose. And that's how I felt. Too. I was like, okay, so you're, it's like, it seems like everyone's just trying to fuck me now. Like I have, I'm getting fined for like not lifting weights, but physically I'm like one of the strongest guys on the fucking team. So I'm like, now I'm there finding me for little things. And, and it was just a buildup of, obviously I didn't handle things the right way, but also the team didn't either. Chris, there's a lot you can criticize Ben Simmons for basketball wise, right? We talked about the shooting. We talked about the passed up dunk mental health wise. That was always something where I was like, leave him alone. We don't know what he's going through. And you hear him talk about this here. And as the conversation continues, JJ even says, basically, Doc and Embiid threw you under the bus. And Ben doesn't you know, dispute it. How do you feel about that whole dynamic and what went down mental health-wise for Ben? Yeah. I mean, I will say, just like with, um, with the Ime Udoka stuff, obviously a very different sort of story. But I'd like to at least, you know, journalistically would love to know what Doc's recollection of those events was. Um, he may remember it differently. Um, if it happened the way Ben just laid out, <laughs> I can understand how the team reached a settlement uh, for with, with Ben Simmons, if that's the way it played out, uh, where someone's saying, like, you would never do that with someone physically if they said, I'm not ready to go out there and play. Yeah, Or maybe you would. We've seen it now with Derrick Rose, who, by the way, when he had that kind of standoff with the Bulls, then came out and played the next season and immediately got hurt like 10, 12 games in. Uh, we've seen it with Kawhi Leonard. And yes, he did go out and win a championship with uh, the Raptors the next year after sitting out that season with the Spurs. But we also have seen him have an array of injuries and we've seen the need to manage him. These people know their bodies. I do think the league is behind in terms of understanding the mind. Yeah, And, you know, I, I, I wish on some level we could treat them Equally, I understand that people are going to wonder whether Ben Simmons has an ulterior motive, whether he's just being sour about the fact that there was the perception that he was thrown under the bus by Doc and Embiid. He's also very capable of not being in a, in a healthy, good place mentally. Um, and while I can understand that there's skepticism about that, I wish that we would err on the side of giving people that space and that that benefit of the doubt. Um, because I, I don't, I don't know. I, I would hate for something bad to happen or for someone to not be okay, force, then be forced into something and then be worse off for it or for something to happen yeah. in that regard. So I, I again, if, if that version is the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, so help me God, um, then that's wrong. And, uh, you know, and I, I would hope that Doc didn't handle it that way, but I would also love to kind of hear what he thinks or remembers about that instance. I suspect... Uh, he will be asked about it. We'll be uh, we'll be on the lookout for that as it comes out. Yeah. I will say, um, last week, Ro and I talked about this. 
you know, the CBA, uh, the NBA and the Players Association are working on a new one. And, and one of the things that they've been talking about is the uh, mental health designation, which I think is great. They should absolutely do that. And another thing I, th- I think is great, Ben Simmons seemed happy. He talked about being in a much better spot. He, f- he feels like mentally, physically, he's uh, as good as he's been feeling for quite some time. Everybody around this time going into camp says I'm in uh, the best physical shape of my life. It's very rarely true, but mentally he seems like he is in a much better spot. Uh, and so it was refreshing to see that from him because for all of his faults as a basketball player, I still enjoyed as a Philadelphian watching him play basketball at times. And I'd like to see what he looks like <laughs> with Kyrie and KD when they play, I don't know, like seven games together uh, this year. So I, I wish him I wish him well on the basketball court. Uh, read Chris on SI.com. He's excellent. I will be back on Tuesday of next week right here on Open Floor with Rohan to discuss all the media day news. Chris, thank you for this. You're more than welcome. Thanks for having me on, man. You're the best, buddy. The NBA is back. Thanks for listening, everybody. Have a great weekend. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. The wait is over. The shy is back on Paramount+, and the stakes have never been higher. Everything changes on the south side when a new threat comes to power in the Showtime original series from Emmy winner Lena Waithe. Battle lines will be drawn, alliances will shift, and danger lies around every corner, leaving everyone to wonder who they can trust. Visit ParamountPlus.com slash TheShot to get a 50% discount off the Paramount Plus with Showtime Annual Plan. Offer ends July 14th. Subscription auto-renews. Restrictions apply. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.